Howdy, everybody. Good to have you uh, join us uh, for this episode of the Short Staff Podcast. Excited today for... What number uh, is this? Nine. This is number nine. Number nine. Number nine uh, episode. uh, Looking at characteristics of a church. Um, Last time we just talked about how the church is covenantal. Hey, did you guys miss me? We did miss you, uh, but we had another short brother fill in. Yeah, you had a sharp brother. He's sharp. Sharp, sharp, sharp. He's a, short. Yeah. Um, he's, a he's a great, he's great the qualification. He's, had the, yeah. he's, he's had the a great brother. Greatly. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I I enjoyed listening to him. Yeah, yeah. We we love our brother yeah. Dudley and thankful for him, his family, and um, it was a good discussion. Um, lengthy, but man, it was a lot of. Uh, there's a lot in the covenants. Mm-hmm. I know. Got a. Well, um, you guys have a lot to say. Well, we, we are great pontificators, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. So, but the covenants can be talked about a lot. Yeah, you know, we just grace the surface of them. And, um, you did what to the surface? We just we just graced the surface. Graced or you grazed? grazed. You, I can yeah. say grazed. I thought you know, we graced. We, we went over the top graced. of it. Glazed. Glazed. Now you're thinking of a donut. donut. Yeah, I'm thinking of a donut. Keep me going, donuts. My coffee's got me going, donuts. Do have a uh, have a have a student retreat coming up. You're going to be walking past TJ. Walking walking through the covenants, walking through the youth retreat and the college retreat. Mm -hmm. Weekends after that. Awesome. I've looked through that and it is excellent. Um, Excellent what you put together there from the scripture. So it's going to be a good time for our students. So keep them in prayer um, as I walk through that with them. But Today we're going to be talking about how the church is uh, confessional. Uh, you know, all of all of our confessions, um, our confession of faith as a church now, but throughout history, uh, all have a starting point. And mm-hmm. that starting point, I would I would say, is Scripture. That's right. Uh, all Scripture, um, everything starts with the Scriptures. And so, what we believe, as we've shared before, what we believe about the Scriptures matters greatly. Uh, you know, we've shared the, the passage out of 2 Timothy 3, mm-hmm. um, 15 and 16, 16, 17. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped uh, for every good work. And so, you know, uh, acknowledging the fact that the scriptures are uh, perfect, they're inerrant, they're infallible, they're authoritative. They're sufficient for everything we need. And so this is where our confession starts. Um, we can go back in the Old Testament as we consider just the, the biblical warrant or what does the Bible have to say about our confessions. And we see this early on in the life of Israel in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 6 mm-hmm. Um, where, where the people, you know, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. You know, morning and evening they are to confess these things. Um, Israel also learned to confess uh, their faith uh, in in the one true God in Yahweh uh, when they when they worshipped Him at the tabernacle Deuteronomy twenty six uh, one through eleven uh, in in their response to the blessing of salvation and so uh, we see it start in the Old Testament but we we also see it come um, in fulfillment in Christ and in the New Testament um, we hear of Matthew sixteen the great confession of Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ is asking, who do, who do people say the Son of Man is? Mm-hmm. And he says, who do you say that I am? Uh, and he said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. And, and on that confession, um, 
The church is built. The church is built off of that confession. Yep. Uh, we see that also. Paul would build off this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in explaining what the gospel is, right? right? According to the scriptures. Uh, Ephesians 4, uh, one body, one spirit. Many uh, scholars believe that was uh, that was that was recited. Believers recited that early Trinitarian formula. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with baptism, as uh, believers came into the church, and then the great uh, the great confession in First Timothy three sixteen, which um, Paul states, "Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness." He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, mm. believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Mm. Uh, that is a great confession there. And so um, it's all over Scripture. We, 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 uh, we have to know what we believe and what we believe and what we confess, whether the confessions and creeds that come about throughout church history flow out of our understanding of what God's That's Word right. says. And, uh, yeah. So all of the confessions that we're built off of are really tethered to the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. The confessions and the creeds themselves, um, those outside of, and we'll look at some of those, mm-hmm. I know you guys will be sharing, um, are not infallible, but the Word of God is infallible. Right. So we want to mm-hmm. make sure yeah. that whatever our, our, our confession of faith, that we always make sure it is... Uh, it is tethered tightly to the scriptures, and so there's 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 implications to this. Um, you know, what what would you say, Pastor Tony, is one of the implications for? Well, you you know, it's interesting. You went to um, the confession in First Timothy uh, when Paul was writing to Timothy in chapter one. He's really um, driving home the significance of um, of guarding the treasure uh, of uh, passing on. The, uh, the orthodox teachings of the church to committed men who would do likewise. And in chapter 1, he says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and the love which is in Christ. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted, uh, entrusted to you. You know, the confessions are not... Um, exhaustive. There's no way that any confession can fully capture uh, everything that Scripture teaches. Um, You know, as Southern Baptists, we recognize that on occasion, our confessions uh, need to be amended. Uh, They need to be expanded upon. And throughout the history of the church, that's been the case. You know, the the role of the confession is to guard uh, against heresy to guard against um, uh, perversions that have come in every generation, those look different. And, and I was thinking about how even in the life of um, the Southern Baptist Convention, which we are Southern Baptist uh, Church, uh, how, how that has looked different. You know, the first uh, Baptist Faith and Message was in 1925. And at that time, um, that confession dealt with issues that were um, on the surface at, at that age. Then by the time we got to 1963, you know, it's a long period of time, a lot had changed in the world, and so they recognized that they needed to, uh, to amend and to address some issues that were not addressed in 
the, uh, the confession of 1925. And then that happened again in, in the year 2000, which is the, the latest um, Southern Baptist confession, uh, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And um, as I was looking at that confession, the, the 2000 confession, which uh, addresses things that in 63 and, and in 25, 1925, were not even issues about family, about abortion, uh, uh, about uh, marriage, issues that were not, again, under attack. I'd say in 1925 they wasn't really worried about people killing babies. No, abortion issue, um, uh, the the legalization of same-sex marriage, uh, Mm -hmm. what defines a family, all those things, again, are addressed in the 2000 edition of the Baptist Faith and Message, but they, they were not addressed in earlier editions mm-hmm. because, again, society ha- has shifted so much. Away and from the culture, God. Yeah, yeah, and so you're having to address things. So when you think about the confessions, and the same way with the creeds, when you go back into the history of the church, uh, you know, the earliest creeds dealing with the personhood of Christ uh, occupying the vast majority of the, the emphasis of the creed because that's what's under attack. Yeah. And so, you know, as you, as you look throughout history, whatever the heresy is, is, is what is driving the church to guard the treasure, to make sure that it is not being perverted by this strange and, and heretical teaching and, or, or the pressure of the world that is uh, that is adapting and changing our views on marriage, or or uh, you know the the role of men and women, uh, or, or various things. So I, I thought it interesting in the preamble uh, to that 2000, which was um, which was put together by a pretty diverse uh, committee. I mean, you, you had you know you had uh, Al Moeller as a member of that committee, and Adrian Rogers as the chair of that committee. You, you had seminary professors, you know, that, uh, that may have areas that they disagree on, but they, they came together and put together this um, confessional statement that is broad enough to define um, the core issues of what we as Southern Baptists hold to, and again, from Scripture, our understanding of Scripture, and, um, but knowing that, that they never intended it to be exhaustive, they never intended it to cover everything, and no, no creed or no confession can do that, and also with the understanding that in the future it might need to be addressed again. It, it, whatever, uh, again, comes against the Word of God, we may need to clarify our position on those things and make statements. And so the, the preamble goes like this. Baptists are a people of deep beliefs and cherished doctrines. Throughout our history, we have been a confessional people, adopting statements of faith as a witness to our beliefs and a pledge of our faithfulness to the doctrines, here it is, revealed in Holy Scripture. Our confessions of faith are rooted in historical precedent, as the church in every age has been called upon to define and to defend its beliefs. Every generation of Christians bears the responsibility of guarding the treasure of truth that has been entrusted to us, as Paul was saying all the way back to Timothy, that you need to guard that truth. Um, Facing a new century, Southern Baptists must meet the demands and the duties of the present hour. 
And, um, and so when they outlined again, back in 63 even, about these confessions, they understood that uh, they constitute a consensus of opinion of some Baptist body, large or small, for the general instruction and guidance of our own people and others concerning those articles of the Christian faith which are most surely held among us. We do not regard them as complete statements of our faith, uh, having any quality of finality or infallibility. So they understand what they're writing is not Holy Scripture. It is not infallible, but it is a representation of what we as Baptists believe the Scriptures is teaching concerning the various articles of the various, uh, again, issues and subjects that they deal with in the confession. Mm-hmm. And so it's a guarding, I, I think it's a, it's a clarifying of the biblical uh, understanding concerning whatever that particular uh, confession deals with. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, to, you know, just the implication of that is Paul writing in, in Ephesians, I know we've shared this before, on what the Word does for us is it protects us, it, it matures us, um, and it, it keeps us from being uh, led astray into false teaching and being, uh, as Paul would say in Ephesians 4, um, uh, 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves we carried about, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. There are deceitful schemes uh, that are out there, and so... Um, yeah, and also the, it, it clarifies, you know, there, there are a lot of false uh, religions and, and, and false teachings that want <clears throat> to be viewed as being Christian, as right. wanting to be under the umbrella of, uh, of Scripture and, and the Christian uh, belief, mm-hmm. but yet they are uh, so heretical in areas. So it, it defines the parameters Mm-hmm. of what it means to yeah. be a Christian and, yeah. and to be in a, uh, operating under a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just kind of draws the lines. It sets yeah. the boundaries yeah. clearly. Because yeah, I think so. What, what is battled in the, in, the, in the first century, what we battle now? Well, if you don't have boundaries, yeah. I mean, you know, if you don't have boundaries, then you get hurt. Everyone's a Christian. <laughs> Everyone. Everybody's yeah. a Christian. It becomes, yeah, yeah universal. And isn't yeah. our culture trying to press us into that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, right. Well, it's really not, you know, we're really all after the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's it, right. We're really right. all worshiping the same God. Or we're, and you're you know, narrow, really and, and they would say anyone who holds to a confession is narrow-minded and bigoted. Mm-hmm. If you hold to any absolute truth, uh, yeah. any form of it. And so we, we need to be so open and receptive to everything, but sure. but the scriptures are they they draw for us mm-hmm. the boundaries and they clarify what is of Christ and that's what right. is not. Well, they identify false teaching. They right? do, yeah. And uh, that, that's the other role. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like to talk with Jehovah's Witnesses. That's one of my favorite things on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love they just come to your door, right? You don't even have to try. <laughs> You don't have um, to seek them out. They're no, seeking yeah. you out. Yeah. Um, which I'm hoping after COVID that they'll start right. coming back more because I've, I've been able to have a lot of fruitful conversations with uh, Joe. I've got I've two. the Mormons out. They're still. Yeah, they're yeah, still they out. are. I, I've got two kingdom halls on, on either side of my house, one in Seymour and then one on 321. And, uh, and so I get quite a few visits. Um, and uh, 
they are a people who say no creed but the Bible, mm. no creed but the Bible. We only hold to what the Bible teaches, and and that that's the the fallacy. That's mm. I, I think it, it draws a lot of people um, because we understand the scriptures are authoritative. And but I've also heard I've also heard well-meaning Baptists well-meaning Baptists will say, say the, the very same, same thing. thing. And this is no why we we not we do not need to fall uh, prey to that because. There is a right interpretation to the Bible, and then there's like an infinite number of wrong interpretations of the Bible. And, and so what? Changing, which I'm and they I change. Still, yeah. I'm sure you got all this. So. And uh, no, you're good. Um, and so what the creeds do is they supply us with, hey, you, you have the Bible. Here's the right interpretation of the Bible. And in so doing, they will identify for us by, as you said, Pastor Tony, drawing those lines. Uh, what is outside of those lines? And so we, we have two terms here. We have orthodox, which is right teaching, and then heterodoxy, uh, false teaching. And uh, some of the earliest uh, of, the, of the creeds, this is an apostolic uh, tradition as well. Uh, Paul in uh, Galatians um, chapter 1. Um, oh, you foolish Gal- Galatians, who has bewitched you? If anyone preaches a gospel contrary to what I preach, let him be accursed. Anathema. Anathema. Yeah. And the earliest creeds, which uh, they, the, 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 there are some predecessors to the Nicene Creed, but the Nicene Creed is uh, probably the, the first widely accepted and embraced by the church mm-hmm. uh, creed. Creed uh, comes from uh, the Greek word credo, I believe, and they were structured. Uh, there's four main creeds. They're structured um, such that, uh, like in the, the Nicene Creed, we believe in one God, Father uh, Almighty, all sovereign, maker of all things seen and unseen. We believe, we believe, we believe. And so it's a statement of what you believe about what the scriptures teach. Um, the, the first um, uh, creed, Nicaea, uh, was an address to a false teaching which had arisen. And just like in our contemporary uh, setting uh, with, with the Baptist faith and message, as these issues arise, so we're going to get together and we're going to lo- open up the scriptures and see what does the Bible have to say about this. And then we're going to declare, we're going to confess what we believe, what we believe concerning this issue. Um, the, that early teaching uh, by uh, a bishop, or sorry, a presbyter Arius, uh, was that Christ is not co-eternal with the Father. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. And, uh, and, and so I, I go to... Uh, that's right, just repackaged a little bit. And so I learn a lot from the Nicene Creed and how to share the gospel with Jehovah's <clears throat> Witnesses. Um, and, um, and at the end of the Nicene Creed, after the church got together in A.D. 325, 300-plus bishops dealing with this teaching that that Christ is not co-eternal with the Father. They they uh, they anathematize that teaching. And at the very end of the creed, uh, this is what it reads. And those who say there was once when he was not, or he was not before he was begotten, or he came into existence from nothing, or who affirm that the Son of God is another, hypostasis or substance, another being, or creature or mutable or subject to change, such ones the Catholic and apostolic church pronounce as accursed and separated from the church. So they identified 
hey, this teaching right here, those who, who profess these things, they are outside of the church. The church has gathered together. We have searched the scriptures. And this is not consistent with what the apostles have handed down to us in the scriptures. And, and so the, uh, the early creeds, in stating what you believe, you're also identifying what is outside of, of right teaching. Um, and then when you get to the confessions, they, they operate within orthodoxy. And so you'll have Presbyterian confessions, you'll have Baptist confessions, Lutheran confessions, which define those doctrinal distinctives that make Baptists Baptists, that make Presbyterians Presbyterian. So you can open up a, a confession like the Baptist Faith and Message or the, uh, the First Baptist Confession, uh, which was 1644, the London Baptist Confession. I have a copy that I, I read frequently of the second edition, the 1689, Second London. And uh, you can open up to a page on baptism and you can see what we believe about baptism. And here's some scripture references, why we believe these things. And then you open up Westminster, and you can see what the Presbyterian Church believes about baptism. And so uh, the, the creeds establish the boundaries of orthodoxy, what the church is and is not to believe. And then within that, you are allowed some freedom as you, know, you interpret the Bible for various reasons. I'm not saying that I believe Presbyterians are right in their paedo-baptism, but I'm saying they're not heretics. Um, you know, we have those degrees of teaching. And uh, so confessions really help us uh, in, in our unity and mm -hmm. in, in what we believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, anything to add to that, Pastor Tony? No, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. They, you know, I think when, when you look at our, um, our Baptist brothers and sisters who say we have no creed but the Bible is a response to... Um, some of the error in the history of the church, you know, in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages and, and uh, statements and councils and things that we would say were heretical. Um, uh, so, so we throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah, right. uh, because they got it wrong sometimes. Uh, we say then we don't have any confession or any creed. Or we, we need none. Yeah. And, uh, and I think we, we definitely need confessions um, to, to again, to draw the boundaries and to um, clarify in, in our current situation how, how the Scripture addresses um, the issues of the day. The, the Bible is not a, an obsolete ancient book. It, it's, it's alive. It's uh, contemporary. It addresses every situation of man. And even, even in our present situations, um, if we really look at it, um, uh, there is nothing new. Uh, every, everything that we deal with uh, is as old as the fall, and and man, uh, sinful man, may uh, you know, pornography maybe wasn't an issue because we we didn't have uh, the internet and we didn't have all those things. But uh, lust in the heart was has always been an issue. Got so the, yeah, got it, the strongest, it, wisest, and richest in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So you know, they all fell to it. it it's mm -hmm. it has different manifestations, mm -hmm. but it's our sin, it's our depravity, and uh, but because of uh, changes, we we address how the scripture shares light on on our contemporary situation, mm -hmm. and confessions yeah. clarify that. For us, yeah, and I would agree with what you said, 
because as you look back on these confessions and you know they, they really would build off one another because they're trying to get clear mm-hmm. things we got to give some grace to them because they're working through the, the canon of scriptures closed written yeah. and they're working through um and, and we we benefit greatly i mean we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us mm-hmm. as brothers in christ and uh what they've pinned down um oh and yeah i, I think as uh, as we do here at Broadway, we often go back and mm-hmm. and we'll teach on some of the creeds and we'll speak on, you know, whether that's the Nicene Creed or the Apollo, uh, the Apostles' Creed or, mm-hmm. or I have taught through, you know, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 on Wednesday nights because, it, it again, it, it our people struggle with a culture who's saying everything's okay, mm-hmm. and and the Scripture and how these how do we how do we deal with these things? Yeah. yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, and uh, there's. I mean, we've already touched on some, but you know, just some historical examples as yeah. well. Yeah, um, I, I I go back to Ephesians four. I, I just read Ephesians four there because uh, you you had pointed to it, and it reminded me of something mm-hmm. um, that the goal of of Christ working through His church is that we would all attain unity in the faith mm-hmm. and in the knowledge of the Son of God, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's true of us in our individual lives. Um, as the life of a particular church, but also the history of the church as a whole. There's only so much work in uh, doctrine and theology that one generation can achieve. And so if we paid no attention to... And nobody nobody, uh, comes to it without blind spots and presuppositions. Absolutely. And so if you were to try to just de novo start from... Did you break the table? I I think it's good. If we tried to... Just start fresh with, uh, without any consideration of those who had searched the scriptures before us, we would not get very far, not as far as what we would if we accepted all the good uh, work in studying the scriptures that our spiritual ancestors had done, and then take that and press on further to hand to the next generation a, a clearer, more articulate understanding of the Bible. And, uh, and so we're all pressing on to reach that unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, greater clarity of who Jesus is. And the first four creeds, uh, you, you had mentioned, uh, those early councils really are addressing the person of Jesus Christ. Um, once you get through the first three councils, the church had refuted Arianism. Um, that's definitely not good, denying the full deity of Christ. Uh, the church had dealt with those who had denied the full humanity of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so now that we understand that Jesus is truly God and truly man, the question for that following in subsequent generations was, how do we put that together, mm-hmm. right? Yep. How do we conceive of Jesus being truly God right. and truly man? And how so, do we express it? How do we express it? Yeah. And several theories <clears throat> arose uh, one of them uh, by a man, Eutyches, he taught that, okay, well... You had thought about, you and Kayla talked about maybe naming AJ that. <laughs> we, we did not thought do that. that was, yeah, it that, was that Timothy was Eutyches. One that I never head. considered. Oh, yeah. it was going to be T-U. <laughs> T-U. Two. Two. With a W at the end. Two. You didn't? No, we didn't. We didn't go with that. Okay. No. Augustine. Oh, we like that name. <laughs> okay. It's much better than Eutyches. It's much better. <laughs> Um, no Utik- offense to anybody out there who's got a kid named Eutyches. I think we're safe there. I think Eutyches okay. is fair I game. We can just make fun away. of that name. It died, yeah. away. It it died, died away, away with him. The church anathematized oh, the teaching and the name. 
Eutyches taught that Christ, the eternal God the Son, second person of the Trinity, who has always fully and equally shared in the one divine nature, he in the incarnation took upon himself a human nature. So far, so good. Now, that human nature and the divine nature mixed. So that in the person of Christ, what you have is one person, God the Son, who has one nature that is a blend of the human and the divine. That was one theory. Well, the church began to understand that there are a lot of problems with that. It teaches kind of a demigod, Jesus, who is neither divine nor human. And so what kind of a mediator is that to bring God and human together? We need one who is who God and human. And he can't redeem anyone but demigods yeah, that's right. because he only has a demigod nature. Right. He needs a human nature to redeem humans. Right. And so uh, that's a problem. Um, there was another theory uh, by a, uh, a bishop, Nestorius. He taught that the eternal God the Son, second person of the Trinity, who has always fully and equally shared in the one divine nature in the incarnation, took upon himself a human person and a human nature with its respective human nature, such that in Jesus there's a divine person with a divine nature and a human person with a human nature. Again, problems with that. Multi-personality disorder, right? And the two... God and man are not united in one person. They're separated into two persons. That does not do any good for a mediatorial role. So that's not consistent with scriptures or right theology. So the Council of Chalcedon, in exploring these hypotheses and coming up with what, what they ended up coming up with is what they call the definition of faith, right? What can we say about the incarnate Christ? And what they uh, proposed which is completely consistent with the scriptures, has been universally embraced by the church since, is that in the incarnation, the eternal God the Son, second person of the Trinity, who is always fully and equally shared in the one divine nature, took upon himself a human nature, such that in that one person, God the Son, there are two natures, God and man. And the two don't mix, they don't, they're not confused. Neither are they separated. They, a form of modalism. That's right. And so the, the math here for good Christology is one person, two natures, such that God and man are united in the one person, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's what the definition of faith has given us. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go beyond that, if you, if you try to mess with that math there, then uh, you're going to enter into heresy. So it got, got us very nuanced in our understanding of, of Jesus, um, which we haven't had as much nuancing since because that was very, very clear. And it has served the church and protected us from error for over a thousand years. Even though we cannot in any form or fashion totally understand that. That's right, yeah. <laughs> It is important. Words matter. Yes. And so it is important yes. how, and that's what confessions, uh, confessions draw us down to where we are dealing with words yeah, and, yeah. and what those words mean and how, what the implications of that is. And so it's a clarifying to the point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even though we're, we're speaking of things that are divine mysteries, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we, we still, it's important what we say about them yeah, and how we is. express yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
So Council of Chalcedon, that's my historical example Absolutely. for the day. So you think about, you know, the question, uh, are we confessional as a church? The answer would be yes. 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 Do we but, need to be? But yes. How many but how many of our people? Yeah. E even right. though even though we we've gone through teaching it on Wednesday night, uh, I guarantee you ninety plus percent mm -hmm. of Baptist people, if you ask them, are you a confessional people, they would say no. Or I don't know. Or I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah, we need to know. We need to know what we believe in uh, these confessions yeah. and creeds. They'll uh, articulate that well. And I, I think that you know we 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 put the Baptist faith message in the packet of material that we give new members. We we ask them to to read and to affirm that they're in agreement. Or to ask questions on what they don't understand right. or what and, they don't maybe they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. uh, what what is what is where's uh, to bring clarity in what they right. believe because mm -hmm. that's important. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, good, uh, good, good discussion together, and uh, we'll we'll finish up uh, characteristics of the church uh, next episode. We're finishing up our series on ecclesiology as a whole. Yeah, absolutely, right. yeah, season one. Season one. Season one is yeah. drawn to a close, and yeah. it's been it's been a good season. Uh, yeah. These will be ten episodes coming up next time. I uh, hope you've. Um, grown uh, in uh, grown and enjoyed the discussion and, uh, and we pray it's been encouragement to you so until next time uh, take care and God bless you